Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile? mobile 5g home internet during peak hours okay stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5g home for details t-mobile prioritizes certain t-mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion it is sny.tv's the juice on the cuse podcast covering syracuse basketball lacrosse and football Today on the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about another frustrating loss with a Syracuse basketball team and bidding farewell to a former Syracuse football coach. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest is 2003 national champion and the Juice Online senior college basketball analyst, Andrew Cowie. And Andrew, we'll get you started on this one. Syracuse dropped a 7-7 on the season with an 88-87 loss to Miami on Wednesday. You were at the game. Syracuse shot the ball well and out-rebounded Miami, but still lost. What did you see from your vantage point? And that's the shocking part is that they were able to do all the things, and they lost. And, and, it, and it just it goes to that just that I think that first, I would say, five to eight minutes in the second half where they went, you know, that just those turnovers were just so uncharacteristic of uh, Syracuse. It was just like... It was bad, you know, bad turnovers of just losing the ball, you know, even the play right before the first half or just that kind of lazy pass. And it, it's just so uncharacteristic of them because they're a pretty low turnover team. Like, they're, they average, I think, maybe 12 turnovers. But, you know, you'll have, you'll have games that have seven turnovers and ten. And um, I think they it just they couldn't stop, you know, the kind of what was happening. And it was just spiraled downward and... It's unfortunate, and I think that's where it goes back to kind of what we talked about earlier in the year is that, you know, Syracuse is a team where I kind of like use the San Antonio Spurs of where they can, a lot, a lot of people can contribute, right? They can, they're really high IQ, pass the ball around, you know, Jimmy and Buddy and, and Cole and now Jesse and obviously Gerard, they all can kind of score and, and, and can be really diverse. But when you're in those really tough situations on the road and things are just kind of spiraling out of control and it doesn't matter, you know, how early a timeout Bayhawk's going to call, you need, like, a special player to kind of just calm, calm everybody and a special, like, talent to say, I got this. Let me get the next two or three possessions. Just give it to me, and I'm going to get two or three buckets just to change the moment to get the crowd out of it. I, I got this, you know. Um, you know, like a Michael Carter Williams, uh, you know, uh, uh, a mellow, uh, um, you know, someone of it, just a uh, Hakeem, just someone say, you know, like, take control of this, get this to stop, and and then we can kind of level set things because we're a better team than they are. But once this, it just kept spiraling, and, and unfortunately the team could never really get back into it. 
Andrew, the 2-3 defense has been a staple for Jim Beheim's entire run at Syracuse, and it's among the worst defenses he's ever coached. The Orange is ranked in the 200s in defense, according to Ken Palm, and through 14 games, it doesn't seem like it's going to get any better. Are there any adjustments Syracuse can make? It's tough. I mean, a little bit is, I think, uh, the help will, will help as the year goes uh, along. Is like Benny Williams, who is obviously super athletic, super long, the, the type of player that you're used to seeing in the Syracuse bottom of the zone. But you know, you've got to learn the zone. I just saw a lot of encouraging things from him yesterday. I know he only got nine minutes, but, you know, when he got in, he made a great um, steal in the zone that was more about positioning and effort and reading situation when he made the steal down low, and then even the three-pointer he made, you know, he made it in a way that he had to screen first for Buddy to get Buddy open, Buddy got the ball, drove, and then because they kind of went, um, converged on Buddy, he was able to pass it to Benny, and that's the type of play that Benny has got to understand is that I, he's not, he's not going to get plays called for him, right? It's not like high school where you're the star, you know, we have lots of scores, you got to find a way to get it secondhand, uh, a way to just do things that are not what you're normally doing in high school and say, do it in here, do something there, go get an offensive response, do ways on, on your own that you know you can get some school buckets and really contribute. So those were, that was a little encouraging thing. Obviously, he's got a lot more to work on, but, you know, the top of the zone, when it's Gerard and Buddy, obviously the athleticism isn't there as much, but... Miami, it's not like Miami was like, you know, obviously in the second half they shot much better, but the first half they, they shot terrible. And, you know, it's just, uh, I think those first seven minutes um, really just from uh, mentally just kind of crushed the team because it was just, uh, turnovers were just unorthodox for them. And it really just was a spiral that um, they just couldn't get out of. Andrew, you mentioned it earlier. Turnovers were an issue. They had a season-high 19 in the loss. You were a guard at Syracuse. Why is Syracuse struggling to protect the ball, and why are they struggling against the press? Yeah, you know, it's difficult because that's really how Miami got easy scores, right? You saw in the first half where there really wasn't many turnovers, and they were struggling, except for a couple threes here and there. They're struggling to score because the zone was set up and defense was set. But when you turn the ball over and you're giving easy buckets and easy dunks and you're getting the crowd into it, um, that makes it uh, just more more easier from a, from Miami from a scoring perspective because they don't have to really go against the zone um, because Syracuse is always trailing back to, to kind of get set back in place. Um, I think with the uh, with the ball handling, you know, obviously Gerard and Buddy in terms of you know they don't have that athleticism of, uh, of Torrance, so. Um, you know, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult to break the zone uh, because you're dealing uh, with some Miami uh, players who are obviously more athletic, uh, you know, better lockdown defense, so it makes it uh, obviously difficult. And you know, Torrance, you know, tough thing with Torrance is he's got the athleticism, and you can see it looks like the coaching staff was talking to him in terms of sometimes when you break the when you break the press, you know, keep going or find your ways. Uh, into, into the lane and either finish it to get trying to get a finish in the middle or um, get a, get an opportunity to kick it out. And I think um, you know he was just struggling in that aspect to uh, find an opportunity to really once breaking the press to really either finish inside the lane 
or get an easy kick out um, for someone for an open shot. And Andrew, we'll get you out of here on this one. What's your view on the state of Syracuse? Can Syracuse get back on a winning streak? It's tough. I mean, that's the, the Miami loss is a tough loss. It's, it's, a, it's a game that really was in hand and really just unfortunately couldn't weather that. A storm that you knew that would come right there. They're at home. They're, they're going to make a run. But um, it, 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 that was a painful way to lose. But I see this team as because they have ability to score from multiple people that you can see, I can see a bounce back game. If you were to say, I mean, we're also probably people surprised that they're able to go down to Florida State and win, but, you know, they have um, enough talent and enough uh, high IQ to do it. I just think what we need, to me, is like you're seeing great emergence from from Jesse, right? You saw in the Miami Miami game, Buddy, we know who Buddy is, and and, and we know his forte. And he, 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 he's got that. We know what Gerard does well, and he's shooting well. I've also been impressed in, in a lot of games with Jimmy and his aggressiveness. Like he's, he, he's not scared. He's going in. You know, he, he saw to get in the Florida State game. He, he's going to attack. To me, like I said, I think the last last time we talked with that, it's, it's cold. I, I need to see him be more aggressive and more like, I'm going to go and score. I'm going to take it into the lane, draw some fouls, get to the free throw line. Like, I, I wanted him to emerge as saying, like, I, I, I'm, I'm just as good as Buddy or, or Jimmy. I, I should be taking just three shots and being aggressive because we need all those functions to work because there's no, like, super talent. There's no, you know, top 10, top 15 pick where you can just rely on. You need more of the collective group. So, to me, it, it continues to be a game-by-game basis. Like, I think they can win any game they play, but they can also lose, lose every game they play uh, just because if the, whole, the collectiveness has to work and, and kind of uh, the chemistry together has to work. And when, a, when a one player or two players is off, um, you know, it's going to be a struggle. Andrew, thanks so much for coming back on the program. Again, 2003 national champion and the Juice Online senior college basketball analyst, Andrew Cowie. Andrew, appreciate your time as always, and we'll speak with you soon. Okay, thanks, Wes. Have a great one. Always enjoy speaking with Andrew, and I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, Syracuse falling to 7-7 seven and seven on the season with a loss to Miami on the road. The Orange jumped out to a double-digit halftime lead before Miami used a barrage of three-pointers and turnovers to mount a rally. A disappointing loss overall. What were your thoughts on the game? Well, my thoughts about how that game un- unfolded, Wes, uh, Syracuse dropping to at Miami by a point, but really not that close until a final basket made it a one-point margin, is for the rest of the season, I think we kind of got a preview of what we can expect. The first half, Miami w- was rushing things. They weren't in a groove offensively, and the zone was having some effect, forcing into Miami into some shots that, you know, not from the best selection on the floor – and creating some mistakes. The counter to that, though, despite having a lead as big as 18 in the first half, was Syracuse was turning over the ball way too much to be able to maintain uh, an advantage as it had displayed with the other team kind of rushing its offensive game, the Hurricanes in this case, and Syracuse playing pretty smart offense, combining both outside shooting and getting the ball inside to Jesse Edwards for baskets. Then we saw the second half. And we have to hope that, you know, that that kind of play isn't going to be 
what might be indicative of playing on the road in the ACC against teams that realized they had a struggle in the first half and then regrouped at halftime and came out attacking the zone defense. A tale of two games, and what's really evident is we've talked all season is about, you know, it's all about the defense. The Syracuse have the, you know, the roster, the most talented players to play the defense this year. Does there have to be more experimenting with the reserve players? And if Syracuse doesn't have a night when it's hitting its outside shots, Wes, it's going to be in trouble. Brad, we were talking about this pre-show, but this is a historically bad season for Syracuse. Under Jim Beheim, they've never been 500 this late in the year. Can you put it in perspective for us? Yes, it's real interesting, Wes, when you take the historical look at what a 7-7 seven and seven season here in 21-22 is uh, to what the program was as a, a regional program and then moving to the national stage under Jim Beheim. You go back to the 1968-69 season, that was the last sub-500 season of basketball to present. That's an ongoing NCAA record. So neither Kansas, neither Duke, neither North Carolina, certainly not Kentucky when it was on probation, had consecutive seasons winning. It's really remarkable what the Syracuse basketball program's all about. Now, 68-69 was Roy Danforth's first season. So after that, the next year, they went up to 500 in 1970. And then in 1971, he led them to the NIT, repeated in 72. And then they made the NCAA in 73. Now, here's what's incredible. Since 1973, that set off a 25-year consecutive run of making the tournament. So that was the end of Roy Danforth's uh, eight seasons. Jim Beheim came aboard in 1976-77. And since then, they've only played, other than the two seasons banned from postseason, in five NIT tournaments. Other than that, it's been all NCAA. So when you think about that perspective, you think about the 25-0 and 0 start as recently as 2014, the top ranking, and, and you've seen what's now happened here in the, in the past eight seasons, it's really eye-opening for Syracuse basketball. And Brad, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Wanted to uh, spend a moment in reflection, Wes, about former Syracuse football coach Greg Robinson, who passed away from a form of Alzheimer's disease. Uh, this week, as according to his family. And it brought back, you know, a lot of memories. Certainly, they're not a lot of good memories for that uh, era of Syracuse football and Greg Robinson's four seasons between 2005 and 2008. But want to put a little bit of perspective on that as well. After Syracuse lost the Champ Sports Bowl December 21st at the end of the 2004 season, that sealed the fate of Paul Pasqualoni. Daryl Gross came aboard. He needed to hire a head coach and he needed to hire a head coach pretty quickly. Well, he didn't hire Greg Robinson until January 10th, 2005, so already pretty late into the offseason with recruiting back then leading up to the first Wednesday in February for the early signing recruiting day. And then we know what happened in his first season, 1-10, and 10, followed by 4-8, and 2-10, and 10, and then 3-9 and nine in his last season. But that was the highlight of his tenure at Syracuse, beating Notre Dame in 2008-24-23. And everyone will talk about the incredible classy gesture of Greg Robinson at the end of that game during the post-game interview on NBC, pausing as the Notre Dame band played the Irish alma mater. So I wanted to reflect on the record wasn't there, 
the overall success of Syracuse football was set back many years into the Doug Marone and Scott Schaefer uh, years. But uh, just remembering the man, Greg Robinson, what a fantastic person, family member, and football coach he was. And a melancholy happy trails to Greg Robinson. And Brad, my closing thoughts are on Carmelo Anthony. The former Syracuse star in his 19th NBA season is averaging 13.4 points per game on 39.3% shooting from downtown. Anthony drew high praise from his teammate and fellow future NBA Hall of Famer LeBron James earlier in the week with James telling the media that playing with Carmelo Anthony has been, open quote, a breath of fresh air, close quote. He goes on to tell the media that he's happy that he finally gets an opportunity to team up with Anthony for a full season outside of the Olympics. The Lakers are currently six in the Western Conference with a 20-19 and record. And while it's been a disappointing season for them so far, there's still plenty of season left for the Lakers and Carmelo Anthony, who's chasing his first NBA championship. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that the worst time to have a heart attack is during a game of charades or a game of fake heart attack. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100. For a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy.